Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. You know, I love the series that we're in. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd invite you to open up, again, Romans chapter 8. And we could spend all year in Romans chapter 8. There's so much there. So there's so many things in this that I'm having to move through very quickly because it is so rich. It is so thick. We could do a verse by verse, and maybe sometime we'll do that. But as we look at Romans chapter 8 today, we're looking and we're focusing in, uh, starting at verse 18. But before we head into that, I want to just give you a reminder of the listening guide. How many of you have ever used the listening guide? Okay. The listening guide, is, it really it helps you listen to me going through. So I encourage you to take that out, follows through. It has uh, a lot of the notes and some footnotes in there for you to, to look at if you'd like to. So that's always there available. And if, even if you go online, if you're on vacation and you're doing some great adventures this summer, you can go online and listen. And we attach our listening guide in there as well. But as we look at this, I want to ask you a question. Is every day perfect for you? Please stand up. We'll put you in charge, okay? We have bad days, don't we? Have you ever suffered? Have you ever had a tough day? And let me ask you this. For those of you who have followed Christ, did you have a bad day before you knew about Jesus? I did. Have you had a bad day since you've known Jesus? Yes. I hope you're not having a bad day right now. I hope this is an an uplift in your day. But I think a lot of times we have this confusion that when we find Jesus, we sometimes think that that means, well, everything's going to go perfect, right? It's like, what's that that Disney cartoon they run through and, uh, who is that? Sleeping Beauty? Snow White. Right, Mr. Blue, the bluebirds land on the shoulder, the flowers bloom, everything go incredibly, right? Sometimes we think when we follow Jesus that everything's going to work out. And then we hit trouble and we go, what does this mean? What does it mean to have trouble and to still be a follower of Jesus and walking in it? And this is what the Apostle Paul is looking at today. And I'd like for you to follow along as we look at how Paul is dealing with this whole aspect of how we deal with suffering. It starts in verse 18, and the Apostle Paul writes, it says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. I can't wait for that. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And the Holy Spirit helps us In our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. 
And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Can we read that together? And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. See, I had you read that verse, God causes everything to work together, because we often recite that. For those of us, when we find that verse, we lock in and we go, that is my verse. This is the thing that God is speaking to me. But Paul is bringing this up in a context of suffering, and this is a key verse. And as we look at the whole problem of pain, I believe there are three things that the Apostle Paul is wanting us to lean into today as we look at this. Three things as we look at how we work things out in our life. First of all, we got to have hope. Everyone say hope. Hope. And then secondly, Paul, he's keying in on a key tactic here, which is prayer. Let's say prayer. Prayer. And then he ends by who God is. And God is love. Everyone say love. Love. So we're ta- today we're going to be keying in on hope, prayer, and love. Isn't that exciting? See, Paul, in talking about hope, he begins the whole conversation of hope by saying that we all suffer. We all suffer. See, suffering is something that everybody has experienced because everyone is responsible for it. See, we know that the suffering that's happened in the world, there's, there's a suffering that happens because I make bad choices. There's suffering that happens because you make bad choices. Am I speaking truth? I've made bad choices, ask Stephanie, okay? There are bad choices that I've made, but, and when I make them, I'm not the only one who's impacted by it, but everyone is around me is impacted. Just like you've made bad choices in your life, and unfortunately when we do those, there's a whole community at risk, and we all walk in that. That's an aspect of it. And if you've, if you've ever done something wrong, this is your chance to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm sorry, just do that. I'm going to look at my wife and say, baby, I'm sorry. <laughs> We should never feel ashamed to say that we're sorry because this is just a part of it. This is just a part of it. But see, we also suffer. Sometimes we suffer not because we've made a bad choice, but sometimes there's suffering that comes in our life because we've made a right choice like following Jesus. See, we suffer because we are following Jesus. The New Testament consistently reminds us that we share in Christ's suffering. 1 Peter 4 says it this way. It says, dear friends, Don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad. That doesn't make sense, does it? He says, you're following Christ. Don't be surprised when bad things happen, but instead be glad. For these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. See, when we follow Jesus, we are following him in his mission. And his mission is to reconcile humanity to God, the God who made them, the God who loves them. And to do that, when you rescue somebody, you have to go to where they are. 
And often people who need rescuing, like me when I needed rescuing, I was in the middle of a storm. So if we follow Jesus, this is, lo- this is logic 101, right? If we are following Jesus, we're going to follow him into the storm on his rescue mission. Do we realize that? We are following Jesus into the storm just like somebody else followed him to rescue you from the storm you were in. Have you ever been in a storm in your life? Maybe you're in one right now. Jesus is going to the storm, and he brings his followers along to be a part of that rescue mission. This is a part of it. So he says, don't be surprised. And also, don't be surprised that if you go into a storm, you're going to get wet. I don't care how much REI gear you have. You go into the storms of life. Being in the storm, you're going to get wet. As a matter of fact, if you're going through your whole life and you never get wet... You're probably, you're not in a storm. You're not going out and being involved in what Jesus is doing because getting wet is a byproduct of being in the the storm. And see, as Christians, we've not been called to avoid the storms. We've not been called to open our apps and see where all the problem areas are and go, I'm not going there. We've been called to go to the Weather Channel app spiritually and say, where's the storm? And God, what would you have me do? How would you have me engage in the storm? I want to go to the storm. I want to see life saved. I want to see people changed and connected with a God who loves them. I want to be on mission with you. This is what Jim Elliott did. And I love this quote. I even posted it this week. But Jim Elliott said that we are often harmless and therefore we are unharmed. Let me read that again. We are harmless and therefore unharmed. Jim Elliott went on to say, he said, don't let me be a milepost on a single road, but God, make me a fork that people must turn one way or another upon facing Christ in me. Are you getting the weight of that? I don't want to just be a milepost. Yeah, there's Dwayne. I want to be, there's Dwayne. There's something about him. The Spirit of God is alive in him. He is here on a rescue mission. Upon facing me, there's an option to follow me as I follow Christ or to turn away. Now, we do that lovingly, we do that humbly, but we represent who Jesus is. When Jesus entered the storms, things changed. They didn't always change the way that people wanted them to change, but things always changed. There was an impact, and Jesus said, I am in you, and you will do even greater things. This is the word of Christ. But in order to walk in this way, what Paul is saying, he's saying that we need hope, that in working things out, hope is essential in working things out. Do you know why? Because working things out is exhausting. Have you ever tried to work things out and you're like, man, I'm just tired. (laughs) I've got a headache from this. More coffee is needed at this point. See, suffering is exhausting. And working through our suffering, whether it's us or those around us. And if we're in community, your suffering is my suffering because we're all connected in this. See, the process needs to be in place. Working through it is a process. I'm sure you found this already that there aren't quick fixes, are there? Right? Well, there are quick fixes, but quick fixes rarely solve the problem. Quick fixes often just cover it up. Have you ever seen water pouring through the side of your house? I have. The answer when you see water pouring through the side of your house is not just to get a bunch of caulking and a bunch of paint and say, we're just going to paint that over. It's going to be okay for a while, but... Talk to any contractor. They'd love to come out and help you out because they know there's a big problem behind that wall. See, there's not a quick fix. There's a process that's in place. 
and the process, it requires commitment. And commitment, it requires hope. This is what Paul is talking about. He's trying to lay out hope. He's saying, yes, there's suffering in your life, but you need hope to know that it's all for a purpose. And hope, if you've been around me very much, you know that hope is one of my favorite words. And I love the Hebrew word for that, kaval, because it means that it is a rope. Because it literally means to collect or to bind together. And here's the image. I love this picture of hope. Because when I'm down on that ledge, whether I've gotten myself down there or I've gone down to help somebody out and I'm crying out for hope, the picture that God has for this is he's up at the top thrown over. Here's a rope. Grab it. I'm throwing you a rope. For you and for everybody around you, this is the image. Grab the rope and climb up. I've got you in this. I've got you in this. See, hope, it shows us where we're going and it motivates us how to get there. When you know where you're going, when you know the purpose that's going on in your life, suffering becomes worth it. This is why Paul uses the illustration of childbirth. Now, I've not experienced it myself, but I hear that childbirth is painful. Is that true? You know, I've, I've not experienced it. But I've heard that childbirth can be very painful. But when you talk to a mom about their child and about that whole process going through, I've never heard a mom yet say, man, the pain of childbirth was awesome. It was incredible. I wish every day I had that same pain of childbirth. Have you? You're a little delusional if you have. Because what I hear is it's one of the most painful things that can be experienced. But when you talk to a mom about that whole time, you know what they talk about? Have you seen my baby? Have you seen my little boy? Have you seen my little girl? Look what's happening in their life. Can you believe it? Just like we dedicated today. We didn't talk about childbirth today. We talked about, look how beautiful this baby is. Look at the hair growing. Look what's going on. Look how they're developing. We don't talk about the pain. We know there's pain. We don't deny the pain. But what we say is, look what happened. Look at this great blessing because there's a purpose in it. See, this is the hope that we have. Moms know this going in. It's no big secret. There's childbirth involved, but look at the baby. Look at the joy. Look at the blessing in this. So we need hope, and we need to have a hope that's connected to a purpose, that knows what's going on, that knows why we're going there. But Paul, in working this out, he also illustrates the second point, which is that we need to pray. We need to pray. And I'm not going to sing the MC Hammer song, but you need to pray. Okay? It says here in the Holy Spirit, it helps us in our weakness. For example, We don't know what God wants us to pray for. You ever been there? I don't know what to pray for, God. But the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. See, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul knew the power of prayer because the Apostle Paul knew what suffering was like. When you read through his life, you know that he went through suffering. But when you keep reading, you see this thread over and over again. Consider it all joy when you're going through trials. Consider it all joy. See, he knew the power of prayer. He knew that prayer is vital in strengthening our hope. Prayer is essential in having that rope in our hands that we lay hold on to. See, as we look at prayer, prayer does several things in our lives. And I think this is why it can become so difficult and there's such a pushback or it seems so hard to get to that place where we're praying before the Lord. So here's what prayer does in our life. First of all, prayer, it puts us in this receiving position. 
Prayer gets us ready. It puts us in that position where we're ready to hear from God. We're ready to receive from God. This is why we have that verse that says we need to be in prayer without ceasing because we need to continually be in this receiving position from God. How often do you need God in your life? Always, every day, I need God. As I'm speaking right now, I'm praying. I'm in a receiving position. God, let everything that comes out of my mouth honor you. Speak through me. Help me, oh God. Help me, Jesus. It puts us in a receiving position. But prayer, prayer also positions us. It positions us for God's purpose. When we pray, it positions us where God wants us. And you know, everything, real estate agents know this, that success is what? Location, location, location. We know this, isn't it? When the location is right, everything gets a lot easier. Prayer, it positions us for God's purpose. And the greatest illustration that we have of this is Jesus. See, Jesus, he taught his disciples what? How to pray. Jesus healed people with prayers. Jesus called the temple a house of prayer. The Holy Spirit came up on him and anointed him as Jesus was praying in Luke 3. And Jesus was transfigured with a divine glory as he prayed. When Jesus faced crisis, do you know what Jesus did? He prayed, this is the Son of God. And Jesus literally died praying. He showed us in every circumstance, in every situation, this is the positioning. It positions us for God's purpose, and this positions us for transformation, because whatever you're connected to affects you. Whatever you connect to, it transforms you. This is why we need to have this continual heart of prayer. And this is also why we need to be very careful about what we allow to come into our lives. Now, just like I said earlier, when you walk into a storm, you're going to get wet. You walk downtown Seattle, you're going to get wet. You walk through our neighborhood, you're going to get wet with a storm. But it's very different about the accidental stuff that gets poured over you and the things that you choose to allow to come into your life, the things you pay to come into your life, the things you invest time in intentionally. Do Do you see what I'm saying? I'll hear people wherever I go talk about, man, how do I hear God? See, one of the, God has given us his word that he's written out for us, but he also speaks to us into the inside voice because no one can turn off that inside voice. You can turn off my voice right now if you wanted to, but there's an internal voice, and that's where God speaks to us. That's why he calls us the temple of God. This is a temple. We need to be very careful what we allow to come into our temple because it affects and limits our ability to hear from God. Can I say that to you this morning? I'm speaking truth, and it's difficult. This is why this whole thing is about being filled with the Spirit of God, because we need to be empowered so that this is a temple. And when something comes through that door that I know is not pleasing to God, I immediately follow my knees and say, God, forgive me and help me and give me strength. Give me accountability, because I want this temple to be clean, because this is your house, this is your place, and I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. My family needs to hear from you. And a lot of it comes down to having that temple that God, is my temple honoring you? I want to be positioned before you for transformation. Because see, as we pray and as we do that, we are unified with God. This is what Paul is talking about in verse 27. He says, the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. We need to be in harmony. We need to be unified. This is the power of prayer. This is the power of the Holy Spirit in us, unifying this together. It is one of the signs that we are with God. 
It's how good and pleasant it is when we dwell together in unity. And unity is something that we have to fight for. We have to be committed to. We need to always be working towards because everything is out to divide us, isn't it? If you leave your garden untended, the things that are naturally going to grow are going to be the weeds. I want carrots. we got a garden this year. I'm so excited about it. I hope I don't ruin it. It's filled, you know, we we got carrots, we have lettuce, we have all these things growing in there on strawberries. I'm so excited about it. But if we ignore it, those aren't the things that naturally grow. The weeds naturally grow. The same thing with our life. Lord, I want the fruits of your spirit to come alive in me. This is why we need to pray. But we need to recognize that this is a work of the Holy Spirit alive in us. Because often we don't know what to pray for. I talked with a friend this week, great friend, so good to reconnect, and he talked about how he was going through such a difficult time in his life, a very difficult time in his life when his son in his early 20s, his life was snuffed out. I can't imagine it. And he was talking to me about his prayer life walking through, and he he said, Dwayne, he said, I literally had a prayer closet where I just, it was a place that I would go in and close the door, and I would just lay on the ground, and I would say nothing. I had nothing to say. There was anger. There was, there was so much thing alive, so many things alive in me. He said, but the more I did that, the more I just went in there and I just shut everything off and I laid out, I discovered that God began to move in my life. He began to heal me. And it's still going on several years later. This is the work of the Holy Spirit coming in when, we, when we're angry. Do you think God can handle your anger? He can handle it, but you can't. Your anger will crush you if you do not bring it to God. God is the only one who can handle it. Your resentment, your disappointment, the only one who can sustain that and hold that is God, whatever it is. See, God knows about your anger before you know about it. He knows about even, we had someone one time come into one of our dinner churches that we were doing, and someone sat across from me, and I said, so what's resonating in your spirit? And she looked at me, and she said, I hate God. Do do you know what my response was inside? Awesome. (laughs) Now that seems weird, doesn't it? Why would a pastor get excited because someone said, I hate God? Here's why. She felt vulnerable enough to speak it out. She spoke the truth out, what was in her heart, the part that God knew already, but that she needed to know. And by her speaking it out, I went awesome because I'm like, God's going to begin to heal this part of her life. But we need to speak it out and be honest. God knows already. And if we have any kind of emotional intelligence, we know already what's going on. But we need to speak it out and be honest and deal with it and allow the Holy Spirit to come in. See, because prayer is not not, not about me getting what I want. Prayer is about becoming who God made me to be. This is the working part. It is about surrendering. And part of it is surrendering and saying, here's the honesty of it, and I'm surrendering it to you. There's a lot going on in my life right now. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm hurt. Sometimes I'm just angry at myself because of the way I've acted. But prayer is about surrendering to God and saying, God, I don't understand, but this is yours. Forgive me, help me, walk with me. This is how God leads us. He leads us in this. And sometimes we're put off by prayer and we've lost hope because we said, I've been there, done that. I've tried that before and it didn't work. Have you ever said that? You ever heard that before? It's okay if you have. I've been there before. Do you think any of this is like, Anger, frustration is new to me. (laughs) I've been angry. I've been frustrated. I've walked through a lot of these things. But we need to bring it and we need to surrender it to God. 
But I know in my life there are times that I've been frustrated and I've asked God for, for things and it hasn't happened. And God's saying, are you hearing me saying no to you? Are you hearing me saying no to you? See, God leads us just as much in the no as he does in the yes. Have you ever prayed for something, the answer was no, you were frustrated, but years later you were like, thank God he didn't say yes to that. If you haven't, you will. See, God often tells me no because it's a bad idea and we all have bad ideas. But sometimes he tells us no to something because we're just trying to avoid confrontation. There's something we want to deal with and we want to move on with it. And God's saying, no. This is important. Dwayne, you got to stop here. You need to deal with this part. And because I love you, I'm not going to let you just move on. There's water pouring out of your spiritual house. You want to cock it over and keep moving, but I'm telling you, that's going to destroy you. Let's deal with it. Let's pull it out. Let's get some help. Let's get some good spiritual contractors in here and walk with you in this. See, this is the aspect of prayer. See, we need hope. Prayer is what comes in and and helps us to position us for this. But I'm so glad that in this, Paul underlines another key part, which is love. We love love. God is love. And this is the key verse. It says here in verse 28, it says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who what? They love God, and they're called according to his purpose for them. See, love is essential because loving God is what keeps us in the process. And the process is working everything together for our good. And we already stated that our good is not that we just get what we ask for. You give a child, which we're all children, you give a child everything that they ask for, and at some point you're going to be sitting with their doctor, and the doctor's going to be looking at you going, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, they asked for all this candy. Well, they asked for all this. See, we don't know what to ask for so many times, and so many times in our growing and trying to mature, we think this is good for us. But this is not what God is talking about. Good is not, I got everything that I asked for. What Paul is talking about here in good is he's talking about that conformity to Christ. This is the good. Just like we wouldn't give a child all the candy that they asked for because we know that's very unhealthy for them. They're going to have tooth decay. They're going to have so many health problems that relate to that that we all know about. When God is looking at us, he's like, I'm not just out to give you everything that you asked for because you're not asking for the right things. I'm out to conform you to Christ, to your purpose, to the Imago Dei. We've been made in the image of God. We've made some bad choices, and now God's trying to bring us back to restore this. This is the work of God. This is the good. He's working us out for that good, that conformity to Christ. But in order to do that, there needs to be this love for God that keeps us committed in the process. This love for God. But I think sometimes we get confused with loving God and just using God, don't we? Because this flows over into a lot of relationships. Sometimes we confuse love with just using somebody. See, when you look at the Bible, love is always defined by a commitment. See, Jesus said this. He said in John 14, he said, whoever has my commands and obeys them, that's the one who loves me. That's the one who loves me. See, love in the Bible, Timothy Timothy Keller says it this way. He says that love in the Bible is never merely theoretical and intellectual, nor merely sentimental and emotional, nor merely duty and will-based. 
Love is setting the heart on God so that in all you do, you determine to please him. See, love is just not about a theory and something that we've thought up in our mind. It's not just something about some emotion that comes out of us. And it's not something we just do out of duty. Is it? Love is just not, well, they said i got to love you, so I'm going to love you. That's what our kids do, right? Love your brother. Okay. Do you feel a lot of love in that? Now, there are things that we encourage because they're good steps to take. But this is not what we're talking about. And Paul here, in trying to assess, trying to test, are we loving God or are we just using him? He's using this example of suffering in our life. See, suffering is the revealer. Are we loving God or are we just using God? See, love says, I am committed to God no matter what happens. No matter what happens, I'm committed. I may make mistakes. There may be some things in there that I've got to work through, but I'm committed to God. I love you, God. But when we're just using God or anyone else, the minute things don't go our way, we bail. We've had that happen to us, haven't we? We're with somebody, and when everything's good, when you're paying for the lattes, when you're paying for the sushi, when you're paying for the movie ticket, I love you. But the minute that stops, there's a bail that goes on. Was that person loving you or just using you? We're using you. And we bring this to God. But see, when we love God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, this connects us to the process that God has us in. See, because God loves us, God will never forfeit that process in our life. Why? Because the process changes us. The process, this is the part that transforms us. And so many times we start walking down this road and God is there to transform us and to bring us back to what he's made us to be and things get hard and we jump out of the process. And God's looking at us going, do you not realize what I want to do in your life? Is the process tough? Yes. The processes that change us are always difficult. But we need to recognize that God has given us hope. Wherever you are this morning, I want you to know that God has taken a rope and he's thrown it down that cliff to you. And he's looking at you. And he's going, grab the rope. <laughs> grab the rope. I've got you. I've got your back. We're, we're going to get out of this. And then he's, he's given us this tool of prayer. As we pray, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that whatever you're going through today, this is why we conclude every service with prayer. And I want to encourage you that as we get there, don't let anything hold you back from praying. Just like I talked about that lady that came into St. Matthew's and said, I hate God. It was a turning point. Today can be your turning point if you're willing to speak it out and be vulnerable and just lay it on the table, whatever it is. Seek the Lord. Lay it before the Lord. Allow him to speak to you. Allow him to purify your temple. We're the temple. We're the body of Christ. He lives in us. But he's, maybe today he's speaking to you and saying, buddy, are you ready to have your temple cleaned? We've got to clean it out. God lives there. God wants to live in you, but he's not going to share it. When God comes in, he, wants, he gets all the junk out. He doesn't live with junk. He walks with you in that process. But it's that surrender, Lord. Purify me. 
Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? See God. Let my ears hear you, O God. This is a cleansing process. And just like our house, sometimes we don't want to invite people over because we're like, well, my house is not ready. I'm so thankful for those friends in my life who have come over and the process of helping to clean, I've become better friends with them. Have you experienced that? The people who walk with you and help you clean your house become your best friends. You know my junk and you love me anyway. We need to be people that engage in that process. And I know God is speaking that word to all of us today, whether we're brand new, whether we're still discovering. I'm not sure about this Jesus thing Dwayne's talking about, but I'm kind of curious. Or whether it's been decades, we are natural hoarders. And God's saying, let's get rid of it. You don't need it. All you need is me. You want to hear my voice? Clean out. Clean out. This is the call that God has to us today. He's got his hands reaching out saying, are you ready to walk? Are you ready to walk with me? You want to hear my voice? Are you suffering today? I can handle it. Are you angry today? I can handle it. Are you ready to surrender that to me? Are you confused today? I can handle that too. He walks us through a tailor-made process. At any point you're ready, he's ready to pull it out and go, all right, let's go. He's thrown that rope over. And the call today is, are you willing to grab that rope, amen? Can we all stand together today? Father, we thank you for the hope you've given us. We're thankful for your love. Lord, that when you look at us, you don't contend the You don't condemn the junk. You point out and say, let's get rid of it. Let's clean this place up. Watch and see what I can make your your temple to look like. A place where I live, where I abide, where I rule and reign. Where you know that peace that passes understanding because I'm there with you in this. Help us today to receive the love of God. Knowing that you work all things to our good and your goodness is complete because it is restoring us, it is transforming us, it's bringing us back to the image of God that you've made us to live in, to walk in, and to be with. So Lord, give us the confidence, give us the courage today to not let anything hold us back, but that we would step out. Give us that boldness to step out and to deal with it today, we pray. In your name. In your name, amen. Prayer team, if you're not already there, I'd like for you just to get in that ready position. We have prayer teams. Go and pray with these people. These people have been praying for you, and they're ready just to pray with you. They're ready just to listen to you. Or maybe you're standing next to somebody this morning who's a great prayer partner. Just turn to them and say, man, I got some stuff to deal with. (laughs) Or maybe you have a close friend that you need to go to right now and say, you know what, forgive me. Forgive me for the hurt I've done. Forgive me for the stress I've caused. I want to make things right today. See, God is doing a work here if we'll surrender to it and say, let's do it. We do communion every week for those who are followers of Christ. They're physical reminders that Jesus said, every time you eat, every time, this bread is my body broken for you because of this. This is the rope I'm throwing your way. And the juice representing his blood that was spilt for us. Go pray. Receive these elements of worship as unto God as reminders. Write it out on the prayer wall. But let's take some time. Let's respond.
I'm pleading with you. You want that life to the full, John 10, 10? Step out, pray. Let's respond. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to come in and clean us out, amen? Amen, let's respond to the Lord today.